We shall now turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 and our text for this evening is verses 3 to 5. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 3 to 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. We see from these words that Christians have a great future. Many people in the world today are frightened, they're apprehensive, wondering what the future has in store. We see war in Europe. It could easily spread. Nuclear weapons could be used. People are afraid. We see the economic turmoil in our own country, the struggling of our Prime Minister and the Chancellor of the Exchequer, price of the pound going down and so forth. People worry about their pensions, worry about uh, their economic situation. And then there's all these horrible illnesses going around, COVID and cancer and all sorts of things. People are apprehensive. But as Christians, we have a cause to be peaceful, joyful, assured, confident. Fearless. The true Christian is, as it says here, kept, kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. That's wonderful. It's great to be kept. And it's great to be kept by somebody who's really powerful, the Almighty. And to be kept unto salvation. And to have a salvation that involves an inheritance. An inheritance that will never rot away. Incorruptible and undefiled. And is kept there in heaven for you. For you who are kept by the power of God yourselves. Through faith unto salvation. So this passage is talking then to us about the great future of the Christian. You notice how the epistle begins. Peter introduces himself, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and then he he tells us that he has written this epistle, and then he tells us that it's addressed to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Christians are strangers, strangers on this earth, as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Remember, you belong to heaven, not to here. You're citizens of the new Jerusalem, not citizens of the old Jerusalem or of Glasgow. Citizens, first and foremost, of heaven. And then we're described in verse 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. 
From all eternity, God foreknew you. He foreloved you. He set his heart upon you. You were one of his people whom he knew. You only have I known of all the peoples of the earth. Therefore will I punish you for your iniquities, he said to Israel. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God. God loved you and chose you and predestinated you. The election of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. Sanctified sinners becoming saints. The work of the Holy Spirit. Effectual calling. Regeneration. The application of redemption to you through the sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Notice how the three persons of the Trinity are set before us there. The election of the Father, the sanctifying of the Spirit, and the washing of the blood of Jesus Christ. So that describes the true, true people of God. So turning then to verse 3, we see here, first of all, that we have been begotten to hope, born again, so that we would have a great expectation and a wonderful future. By nature, we're children of Adam. And in Adam we sinned, and in Adam we fell, and in Adam we died. So we're born dead. We're dead in trespasses and sins. And then something wonderful happened. Begotten again, born again, created anew, resurrected with Christ. Christ rose and we rise through his resurrection and the power of his resurrection Blessed be God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which or who according to his abundant mercy, his amazing grace, hath begotten us again unto a lively or living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, none of us would rise from the state of being dead in trespasses and sins. The new birth is based upon his resurrection. The resurrection completed the work of redemption. The atonement that he had made. He laid down his life and he took it again. Died for our offenses, rose again for our justification. So you are born again to hope through Jesus Christ. No longer dead in trespasses and sins. You're alive to God. You love him. You love his commandments. You're not perfect. There's a war going on inside. At one time you were dead in your sins, but no longer dead in your sins. You're struggling against sin, fighting against it, the flesh against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh and you're on the side of the Holy Spirit lusting against the flesh and trying to overcome the flesh within and every so often the flesh bubbles up and we have to keep on trampling down upon the flesh so there's a war going on the unconverted 
they're dead. Dead in their sins. But the Christian has been resurrected. The Christian is alive. And the Christian is engaged in war. And there's this fight going on inside. And that's a sign of life. And the fact that there's a war going on inside us shows that we are Christians. Proves to us that we have indeed been born again. The Spirit of God has come to live in us. At one time, the devil lived in us. Satan. We were a house for the devil. But then, the Lord Jesus Christ, by his Spirit, came into our hearts and threw out the devil. He took over. He bound the strong man and spoiled his goods. Took over the house. So that now we have the Spirit dwelling in us. And every Christian has the Spirit. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So every Christian is indwelt by the Spirit. You were the house of the devil, and now you're the house of God. God lives in your heart. And because God lives in your heart, you are to walk in the Spirit, seeking direction from him, led and guided by him, seeking his help. You are to bear the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. You are assured by the Spirit, the Spirit himself witnesseth with your spirit that you are a child of God. You're sealed with the Spirit unto the day of redemption. Some claim to be Christians, but they were never born again. They believe certain things, they do certain things, they go to church and they maybe sit at the Lord's table, but they've never been born again. But if we're not born again, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The new birth is essential for us because the new birth is resurrection with Christ, rising to new life. No longer dead in sin, but now new, new life in Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Born again to hope. So that's what we have in verse 3. And then verse 4, the amazing inheritance. I wonder, did you ever get an inheritance? Did anyone leave something to you? Maybe they left some money. Maybe they left a house. An inheritance. But whatever they left, it wasn't incorruptible and undefiled. Every earthly inheritance, think of money, for example. Inflation affects it. It depreciates. Over the years, money can be stolen. And think of a house. A house needs repair. A house is decayed. 
Whatever we are left, it ages in time and it perishes. Everything in this world is rotting, decaying, passing away. The world itself is passing away. But here's an inheritance which neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and which thieves cannot break through and steal from us. You've been born again to this inheritance. Incorruptible, it won't rot, won't rust. Undefiled, it's pure, it's good, it's perfect. There's nothing about it that's wrong. Over the summer I was reading a book about um, a fellow who built the castle in Stornoway, Matheson. And uh, he was supposed to have done such wonderful work and the castle grounds there in Stornoway and the roads he built and all the rest of it. But where did the money come from? It came from selling drugs. From selling opium to the Chinese. He was really a, a drug pusher. That's what he was. And that's how he made, made his money. Getting the poor Chinese people to, to take these drugs and become addicted to drugs. And in that way, he got all that money that he was able to spend and pretend he was a great benefactor to the human race. Well, he certainly wasn't a benefactor to the Chinese whose lives he destroyed. But here we have an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. There's nothing bad about it. There's nothing vile about it. There's nothing that pollutes. There's nothing that destroys. It's good. It's really good. An inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. A home in heaven. Recently our queen died. She had lots of homes, stately houses. But now only one house really matters. Does she have a house in heaven? We hope she does. But that's the only house that matters. All the other houses, Buckingham Palace or Windsor or St. James Palace or whatever places it is, they're all left behind. They're of no value whatsoever to the Queen today. But here's an inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled. It's for queens if they repent and believe the gospel, and it's for poor people, for ordinary folk like you and me. The house in heaven is ours if we repent of our sins and receive the Lord Jesus Christ who is freely offered to us in the gospel. An amazing inheritance in heaven that will never fade away, reserved for you a wonderful future for poor you and poor me. Then moving on to verse 5. What assurance can we have that we will have this inheritance? Some people seem to start off quite well and then they fall away. We 
We think of King Saul and see how humble he was to begin with and how he was listening to Samuel and instructed by him. And we think, and yet at the end of his days, an enemy of King David of the Lord's anointed, going to witches for direction instead of to the Lord and to his prophets. We think of Ahithophel who went to the house of God with David. And he too turned aside after Absalom and he went away and hanged himself. We think of Judas Iscariot, chosen to be an apostle, a companion of Christ for three years. But he fell away, betrayed his Lord and Master, and he went and hanged himself. We think of Demas, a fellow worker of the Apostle Paul. Having loved this present evil world, he had turned back. He went astray. Any of us can go astray. What assurance can we have? We see how successful Satan was in tempting Eve. And Eve was perfect. Eve didn't have a tendency to sin or an openness to sin the way you and I do, a bent towards evil. No, not at all. She was perfect, and yet she was deceived by Satan. So you and I can easily fall away. But here we see the assurance that we have, who are kept by the power of God. Kept by not your own power, not the power of the church, not the power of society, not even the power of angels, but who are kept by the power of God. That's what we need, isn't it? Because it's easy for doubt to come in, doubting the word of God, for unbelief to come in, to, for heresies to lead us astray. How many people have been led astray by heresy. Maybe start doubting that there is a God or doubting that there's a heaven or a hell. How many there are who doubt these fundamental things. And then there's the danger of falling away into sin, backsliding, losing our interest in the church, making an idol out of our work or our family or, or out of money and perhaps getting led astray into immorality or drunkenness. How can we be kept? Kept by the power of God. Kept by God's power and by that alone. We are far weaker than we think. Sometimes we think we're quite strong and we feel, I'd never do that. What that other person did, well, not me. I wouldn't fall in that way. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't go astray in that way. I wouldn't be covetous like that. I wouldn't blaspheme like that. I wouldn't tell lies like that. I wouldn't steal like that. Well, who knows the weakness of our own hearts? Our only hope is God kept by the power of God. The flesh is strong and the flesh lusteth against the spirit. 
Even the Apostle Paul cried out, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Wretched man. Surely Paul wasn't wretched, but Paul knew himself. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I am chief. Writing here, uh, writing there in 1 Timothy chapter 1, the chief of sinners, how aware he was of his own weakness and how easy he knew it was for for him to sin, easily tempted by the devil, the flesh is strong. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? But then he says, who will deliver him? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, kept by God, by the power of God. So we have here then a wonderful truth, the power of God, which is greater than the power of the world and the power of the flesh and the power of the devil, kept by the power of God, because God elected us, because Christ died for us on the cross. Because the Holy Spirit came into our life in the new birth and nobody's going to push him out of our lives. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Christ to wash away all our sins. Where he begins the good work, he will perform it to the day of Christ Jesus. Kept by the power of God. Salvation is of the Lord from beginning to end. He's the author and he's the finisher. And yet there's one other thing for us here. A duty that is laid upon us. And we have it in verse 5. Kept by the power of God through faith. The duty of faith. Through faith. What must I do to be saved? Faith. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But I believed in the Lord Jesus Christ 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Yes, but what must I do to be saved today? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Every day of our lives, it's the same story. Repent and believe the gospel. Turn from your sins afresh. Believe, believe, believe in Jesus Christ. And what is it to believe? It's to cast yourself upon him. To trust in him alone. To depend upon him who died on the cross to save you. I poor and needy am. Come, Lord, and make no stay. My help, thou and deliverer art. My God, make no delay. This poor man trusted in God, and he delivered him. That's the way it is, then. Kept by the power of God. But you and I are to persevere. We're to keep on believing, keep on trusting, keep on clinging. 
clinging to him, clinging to Christ, casting ourselves upon him, falling at his feet, crying out like the publican, God be merciful to me, a sinner. So we run the race, looking unto Jesus, that's faith. Look unto me and be saved, all ye ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Running the race, looking unto Jesus. Fighting the good fight, looking unto Jesus. None perish who trust in him. Keep on praying. Keep on trusting and praying. Keep on claiming Christ, the Christ who is freely offered to you. And yet, faith, what is faith? It is the gift of God. Your duty is to believe. And yet, we need God's help to believe. We need God's help every day, kept by the power of God through faith. You exercising faith, God giving you faith, receiving your faith from him, and by faith depending upon him, so that salvation is all of grace, all of God, from beginning to end. Wherein ye greatly rejoice. Great rejoicing, joy unspeakable and full of glory in Christ, in God, in the Holy Spirit. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Many temptations leaving you in heaviness. Many trials, many persecutions. But these things, they have a purpose. The trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried in the fire. Your faith is tried, tested. And as it is tried, it is strengthened. And so it will be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Keep on trusting. Keep on following. Keep on depending upon him. And rejoice greatly in the Lord Jesus Christ and his salvation. So, as Christians, we have a wonderful future. We're born again unto a living hope. We have an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. And we're kept for that inheritance by the power of God. And we must keep on believing and trusting in Christ to be saved. Let's pray. O Lord our God, we thank thee for the gospel, for the way of salvation, for the finished work of Christ, for the shed blood of Calvary. We thank thee, Lord, for divine election. We thank thee for the application of redemption efficaciously by the Holy Spirit. And we thank thee for faith, which is a gift of God. And we pray that thou wouldst help us to keep on believing, to hold fast so that no one will take our crown away to remember that it is those that persevere unto the end that shall be saved. So help us, Lord, to persevere. By grace we are saved, and to God be the glory.
Forgive our sins, all our sins, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Our closing praise is Psalm 17 and verses 5 to 9. Psalm 17, verse 5. Hold up my goings, Lord, me guide, and those thy paths divine, so that my footsteps may not slide out of those ways of thine. I call it have on thee, O God, because thou wilt me hear, that thou mayst hearken to my speech, to me incline thine ear. Verses 5 to 9, to God's praise.